The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams The podcast versions of the original Facebook Live readings during the coronavirus outbreak by Matthew Ogden, The Bearded Wit. Please bear in mind that as Facebook Live recordings, these are rough and ready, there are mistakes, there are a few trip-ups here and there, and there is laughter from the reader as he goes through and follows the humour himself along with you, the listener. We hope you enjoy listening to these and share liberally. Part 32 Before we begin, I'd like to ask you to seriously consider becoming a patron of The Bearded Wit by going to patreon.com forward slash The Bearded Wit. You can support me from as little as $5 a month, which is essentially a cup of coffee, uh, and that will mean that I will be able to continue producing this material and other podcasts that I do, and it would mean the world to me to have you um, know that you're, you've got my back on this. Uh, I love producing this material for people, and it's been a huge pleasure for me to do this, uh, which basically started as a project for family and friends right back at the beginning of March last year uh, when the um, COVID-19 virus was really beginning to kick in. It was a way of basically connecting friends and family all over the world who were finding it a bit difficult as we all did and it's grown into something where I've got a lot of people listening all over the world. It would mean the world to me if you could take the time just to pop over to uh, patreon.com forward slash the bearded wit, sign up from as little as five dollars a month, as I say uh, it's a cup of coffee. It would mean the world to me because the more of you guys, you fabulous people out there that do it, the more I'm able to do more of this stuff for you on an ongoing basis. No obligation, but if you can, I would be so deeply grateful. Also, if you could take a moment to pop over to Facebook and uh, give The Bearded Wit a like and follow, uh, and also go over to my new YouTube channel as well, um, just search for The Bearded Wit, uh, and subscribe. Uh, I'll be putting all of the live readings slightly edited um, and cleaned up a bit uh, onto that uh, over the coming weeks. Um, But yeah, join up, uh, get involved, like, share, follow, subscribe, do all the usual social media things. Okay, on with the reading. Thanks very much, everyone. So, I hope you are all sitting comfortably. Uh, um, I will therefore begin. Just to recap, where we have got to with Mostly Harmless essentially is the denouement. Um, uh, We've found Ford and uh, Arthur Dent uh, chasing Random, who has her hands on the new guide, or the new version of the guide, and the new version of the guide is the version that basically can bend time and space to its will uh, and make it seem like whatever it's doing is in your favour, but in fact it seems like the guide probably has its own agenda, which can't be good. Um... And they have found themselves, by hook or by crook, into a version of the galaxy, a reality of the galaxy, which has Earth back again. And Random has gone back to Earth with the guide in a spaceship that she nicked from Ford Prefect on the planet Lamuella, which is where Arthur was. And Random, just to recap, is actually Arthur and Trillian's daughter, Um, but Arthur didn't know she existed Trillian 
didn't think that she could have children because there was no other homo sapiens in the galaxy apart from Arthur. Uh, she found that actually he'd been depositing rather vast amounts of DNA in various uh, genetic gene banks around the galaxy as ways of getting upgrades on his interstellar travels. And therefore, basically, she cobbled together all the DNA that she needed to create random. Um, Trillian was working as a multidimensional news reporter, and it was basically pretty hard dragging around a 13 to 14 year old random with her so she left her with Arthur and then disappeared off into the time streams um, Arthur and random were kind of getting on a bit ish um, when the guide turned up which Ford had found out or found in the offices of the guide itself which were, had it been, in fact been overtaken by, or taken over rather, by Infinidium Enterprises, which he worked out were actually Vogons. So Vogons are in control of the guide. Knowing how officious and bureaucratic they are, this cannot be a good thing. So where we got to at the end of last week, Ford and Arthur got on to, somehow, got onto a perfectly normal beast, rode through a rip in the time-space continuum, Hello, Chris. Good to see you, mate. Hope you're doing okay. Chris Jolly is my partner in crime with this lot, Giggle Fix. Um, and uh, he's he's back in England at the moment. Uh, I hope you're doing well, mate. Um, love to the family, mate. Um, and, yeah, so 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 they've managed to, to, um, to, to come to the domain of the king. And it turns out that the king is the king. Not just a king, but the king. Um, and, and the king voluntarily got himself abducted um, by aliens and is enjoying doing what he does best, which is singing songs um, uh, away from uh, the colonel. Um, but that's aside, <laughs> that's aside, Ali. What is important is we're back, all heading back towards Earth now, and Random has arrived on the planet in a super sleek spaceship, demanding to see Trillian her mother now we have in this universe in this version of reality trisha mcmillan who is the version of trillian that went back for her bag way back when when zaphod first met her and zaphod buggered off and so for her entire life she's felt like something's been missing now this version of trillian or trisha mcmillan has in, in, since met some very peculiar aliens called grebulons who, due to a major cock-up in their design of their ships, uh, had uploaded all of their memories into a data bank that got blown out of the ship on, on their deep passage through space. So they don't know who they are. They landed on a planet which has only just been discovered in the solar system called Rupert. Trilli uh, Trisha McMillan has been to Rupert and back, and has now been told while she was panicking because all of the footage that she took looked like it was made up in a, a B-movie she has just been told that another spaceship has landed in Hyde Park and this one has Random in it Random is demanding to see her mother Trisha McMillan has gone to report on this and Random has just called her mum Trisha McMillan knows nothing about this because she doesn't have any kids in this reality. Are you following? 
I hope you've been listening to all the other ones because this is complicated. Anyway, let's wrap this up. We are in London, random spaceship, Trisha McMillan, Arthur and Ford on their way. All sorts of stuff's going to happen. Are you ready? Good. The news networks don't like this kind of thing. They regard it as a waste. An incontrovertible spaceship arrives out of nowhere in the middle of London and it is sensational news of the highest magnitude. Another, completely different one, arrives three and a half hours later and somehow it isn't. Another spacecraft, said the headlines and newsstand billboards. This one's pink! A couple of months later they could have made out a lot more of it. The third spacecraft half an hour half an hour after that, the little four-berth Harundi runabout, only made it on the local news. Ford and Arthur had come screaming down out of the stratosphere and parked neatly on Portland Place. It was just after 6.30 in the evening and there were spaces free. They mingled briefly with the crowd that gathered round to Ogle, then said loudly that if no one else was going to call the police, they would, and made good their escape. Home, said Arthur, a husky tone creeping into his voice as he gazed, misty-eyed, around him. Oh, don't get all maudlin on me, snapped Ford. We have to find your daughter, and we have to find that bird thing. That's the guide, by the way. How, said Arthur, this is a planet of five and a half billion people. Gives you some date when this was written. This is a planet of five and a half billion people, and, yes, said Ford, but only one of them has just arrived from outer space in a large silver spaceship accompanied by a mechanical bird. I suggest we just find a television and something to drink while we watch it. We need some serious room service. They checked into a large two-bedroom suite at the Langham. Mysteriously, Ford's dino charge card issued on a planet over 5,000 light-years away seemed to present the hotel's computer with no problems. Ford hit the phones straight away while Arthur attempted to locate the television. OK, said Ford, I want to order up some margaritas, please. A couple of pitchers, a couple of chef's salads and as much foie gras as you've got. And also London Zoo. She's on the news, shouted Arthur from the next room. That's what I said, said Ford into the phone. London Zoo, just charge it to the room. She's... Good God, shouted Arthur. Do you know who she's being interviewed by? Are you having difficulty understanding the English language? continued Ford. It's the zoo, just up the road from here. I don't care if it's closed this evening. I don't want to buy a ticket. I just want to buy the zoo. I don't care if you're busy. This is room service. I'm in a room and I want some bloody service. Got a piece of paper? Okay, here's what I want you to do. All the animals that can be safely returned to the wild, return them. Set up good teams of people to monitor their progress in the wild and see what they're doing, okay? It's Trillion, shouted Arthur. Or is it... Oh, God, I can't stand all this parallel universe stuff. It's so bloody confusing. It seems to be a different Trillion. 
It's Trisha Macmillan, which is what Trillian used to be called before... Oh, why don't you just come and watch yourself and see if you can figure it out? Just a second, Ford shouted and returned to his negotiations with room service. Then we'll need some natural reserves for the animals that can't hack it in the wild, he said. Set up a team to work out the best places to do that. We might need to buy somewhere like hmm, Zaire and maybe some islands, Madagascar, Baffin, Sumatra, those kind of places. We'll need a wide variety of habitats. Look, I don't see why you're seeing this as a problem. Learn to delegate. Hire whoever you want. Get on with it. I think you will find my credit is very good. Oh, and blue cheese dressing on the salad. Thank you. He put the phone down and went through to Arthur, who was sitting on the edge of his bed, watching television. I ordered uh, some uh, foie gras, said Ford. What? said Arthur, whose attention was entirely focused on the television. I said I ordered us some foie gras. Oh, said Arthur vaguely, um, I always feel a bit bad about foie gras. A bit cruel to the geese, isn't it? Fuck em, said Ford, slumping on the bed. You can't care about every damn thing. Well, that's all very well for you to say, but... Drop it, said Ford. If you don't like it, I'll have yours. What's happening? Chaos, said Arthur. Complete chaos. Random keeps on screaming at Trillian, or Tricia, or whoever it is, that she's abandoned her, and then demanding to go to a good nightclub. Tricia's broken down in tears and says she's never even met Random, let alone given birth to her. Then she suddenly started howling about someone called Rupert and said that he'd lost his mind or something. I didn't quite follow that bit, to be honest. Then Random started throwing stuff and they've cut to a commercial break while they try and sort it all out. Ooh, hold on, they've just cut back to the studio. Shut up and watch. A rather shaken anchorman appeared on the screen and apologised to viewers for the disruption of the previous item. He said he didn't have any very clear news to report, only that the mysterious girl, who called herself Random Frequent Flyer Dent, had left the studio to uh, rest. Trisha McMillan would be, he hoped, back tomorrow. Meanwhile, fresh reports of UFO activity were coming in. Ford leapt off the bed, grabbed the nearest phone and jabbed at a number. Concierge, you want to own the hotel? OK, it's yours if you can find out for me in five minutes which clubs Trisha McMillan belongs to. Just charge the whole thing to this room. Away in the inky depths of space... Invisible movements were being made. Invisible to any of the inhabitants of the strange and temperamental plural zone, at the focus of which lay the infinitely multitudinous possibilities of the planet called Earth, but not inconsequential to them. At the very edge of the solar system, hunkered down on a green leatherette sofa, staring fretfully at a range of TV and computer screens, sat a very worried Grebulon leader. He was fiddling with stuff, fiddling with his book on astrology, 
fiddling with the console of his computer. Fiddling with the displays being fed through to him constantly from all of the Grebulon's monitoring devices. All of them focused on the planet Earth. He was distressed. Their mission was to monitor, but to monitor secretly. He was a bit fed up with his mission, to be honest. He was fairly certain that his mission must have been to do more than sit around watching TV for years on end. They certainly had a lot of other equipment with them that must have had some purpose if only they hadn't accidentally lost all trace of their purpose. He needed a sense of purpose in life, which was why he had turned to astrology to fill the yawning gulf that existed in the middle of his mind and soul. That would tell him something, surely. Well, it was telling him something. It was telling him, as far as he could make out, that he was about to have a very bad month, that things were going to go from bad to worse if he didn't get a grip on things and start making some positive moves and thinking things out for himself. It was true. It was very clear from his star chart, which he had worked out using his astrology book and the computer program that that nice Tricia Macmillan had designed for him to re-triangulate all the appropriate astronomical data. Earth-based astrology had to be entirely recalculated to yield results that were meaningful to the Grebulons here on the tenth planet, out on the frozen edges of the solar system. The recalculations showed absolutely clearly and, um, and un unambiguously that he was going to have a very bad month indeed, starting with today. Because today Earth was going to rise into Capricorn, and that, for the Grebulon leader who showed all the character signs of being a classic Taurus, was very bad indeed. Now was the time, his horoscope said, for taking positive actions, for making tough decisions, seeing what needed to be done, and doing it. This was all very difficult for him, but he knew that nobody ever said that doing tough stuff wasn't tough. The computer was already tracking and predicting the second-by-second -second location of the planet Earth. He ordered the great grey turrets to swivel. Because all of the Grebulon surveillance equipment was focused on the planet Earth, it failed to spot that there was now another source of data in the solar system. Its chances of spotting this other source of data, a massive yellow constructor ship, accidentally were practically nil. It was as far from the sun as Rupert was, but almost diametrically opposite, almost hidden by the sun. Almost. The massive yellow constructor ship wanted to be able to monitor events on planet 10 
without being spotted itself. It had managed this very successfully. There were all sorts of other ways in which this ship was diametrically opposite to the Grebulons. Its leader, its captain, had a very clear idea of what his purpose was. It was a very simple and plain one, and he had been pursuing it in his simple, plain way for a considerable period of time now. Anyone who knew of his purpose might have said that it was a pointless and ugly one, that it wasn't the sort of purpose that enhanced a life, put a spring in a person's step, made birds sing and flowers bloom. Rather the reverse, in fact. Absolutely the reverse. It wasn't his job to worry about that, though. It was his job to do his job, which was to do his job. If that led to a certain narrowness of vision and circularity of thought, then it wasn't his job to worry about such things. Any such things that came his way were referred to others who had, in turn, other people to refer such things to. Many, many light years from here, indeed from anywhere, lies the grim and long-abandoned planet Vogsphere. Somewhere on a fetid, fog-bound mudbank on this planet there stands, surrounded by the dirty, broken and empty carapaces of the last jewelled scuttling crabs, a small stone monument which marks the place where, it is thought, the species Vogon Vogon Blurtus first arose. On the monument there is carved an arrow which points away into the fog, under which are inscribed, in plain, simple letters, the words, The Buck Stops Here. Correction. The Buck Stops There. Deep in the bowels of his unsightly yellow ship, the Vogon captain grunted as he reached for a slightly faded and dog-eared piece of paper that lay in front of him. A demolition order. If you were to unravel exactly where the captain's job, which was to do his job, which was to do his job, actually began, then it all came down at last to this piece of paper that had been issued to him by his immediate superior long ago. The piece of paper had an instruction on it, and its purpose was to carry out that instruction, and put a little tick mark in the adjacent box when he had carried it out. He had carried out the instruction once before, but a number of troublesome circumstances had prevented him from being able to put the tick in the little box. One of the troublesome circumstances was the plural nature of this galactic sector, where the possible continually interf where the where the possible continually interfered with the probable. 
Simple demolition didn't get you any further than pushing down a bubble under a badly hung strip of wallpaper. Anything you demolished kept on popping up again. That would soon be taken care of. Another was a bunch of small people who continually refused to be where they were supposed to be when they were supposed to be there. That also would soon be taken care of. The third was an irritating and anarchic little device called the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That was now well and truly taken care of and, in fact, through the phenomenal power of temporal reverse engineering, it was now itself the agency through which everything else would be taken care of. The captain had merely come to watch the final act of this drama. He himself did not have to lift a finger. Show me he said. The shadowy shape of a bird spread its wings and rose into the air near him. Darkness engulfed the bridge. Dim lights danced briefly in the black eyes of the bird as, deep in its instructional address space, bracket after bracket was finally closing. If clauses were finally ending, repeat loops halting recursive functions calling themselves for the last times. A brilliant vision lit up in the darkness. A watery blue and green vision, a tube flowing through the air shaped like a chopped-up string of sausages. With a flatulent noise of satisfaction, the Vogon captain sat back to watch. Quick slurp of tea. Just there, number 42, shouted Ford Prefect to the taxi driver, right here. The taxi lurched to a halt and Ford and Arthur jumped out. They had stopped at quite a number of cash dispensers on the way, and Ford chucked a fistful of money through the window at the driver. The entrance to the club was dark, smart, and severe. Only the smallest little plaque bore its name. Members knew where it was, and if you weren't a member, then knowing where it was wasn't of any help to you. Ford Prefect was not a member of Stavros, though he had once been to Stavros' other club in New York. He had a very simple method of dealing with establishments of which he was not a member. He simply swept in as soon as the door was opened, pointed back to Arthur and said, It's OK, he's with me. He bounded down the glossy, dark stairs, feeling very fruity in his new shoes. They were suede and they were blue and he was very pleased that, in spite of everything else going on, he had been sharp-eyed enough to spot them in a shop window from the back of a speeding taxi. "'I thought I told you not to come here.' "'What?' said Ford. A thin, ill-looking man, wearing something baggy and Italian, was walking up the stairs past them, lighting a cigarette, and had stopped 
suddenly. "'Not you,' he said. "'Him.' He looked straight at Arthur, then seemed to become a little confused. Oh, "'Excuse me,' he said. I, "'I think I must have mistaken you for someone else.' He started up on the stairs again, but almost immediately turned round once more, even more puzzled. He stared at Arthur. "'Now what?' said Ford. "'What did you say?' "'I said, now what?' repeated Ford irritably. "'Yes, I think so.' said the man, and swayed slightly, and dropped the book of matches he'd been carrying. His mouth moved weakly. Then he put his hand to his forehead. Oh, excuse me, he said. I'm trying desperately to remember which drug I've just taken, but it must be one of those which mean you can't remember. He shook his head and turned away again, and went up towards the men's room. "'Come on,' said Ford, as he hurried on downstairs, with Arthur following nervously in his wake. The encounter had shaken him badly, and he didn't know why. He didn't like places like this. For all the dreams of earth and home he had had for years, he now badly missed his hut on Lamuella, with his knives and his sandwiches. He even missed old Thrashbarg. "'Arthur!' It was the most astounding effect. His name was being shouted in stereo. He twisted to look one way. Up the stairs behind him he saw Trillian hurrying down towards him in her wonderfully rumpled rimplon, and she was looking suddenly aghast. He twisted the other way to see what she was suddenly looking aghast at. At the bottom of the stairs was Trillian, wearing... No, this... No, no, this was Tricia, Tricia that he had just seen, hysterical with confusion, on television. And behind her was Random, looking more wild-eyed than ever. Behind her, in the recesses of the smart, dimly-lit club, the other clientele of the evening formed a frozen tableau, staring anxiously up at the confrontation on the stairs. For a few seconds, everyone stood stock-still. Only the music from behind the bar didn't know how to stop throbbing. "'The gun she is holding,' said Ford quietly, nodding towards Random, "'is a Wabanata three. "'It was in the ship she stole from me. "'It's quite dangerous, in fact. "'Just don't move for a moment. Uh, "'Let's just everybody stay calm and find out what is upsetting her.' "'Where do I fit?' screamed Random suddenly. The hand holding the gun was trembling fiercely. Her other hand delved into her pocket and pulled out the remains of Arthur's watch. She shook it at them. "'I thought I would fit here,' she cried, "'on the world that made me, "'but it turns out that even my mother doesn't know who I am.' She flung the watch violently aside, and it smashed into the glasses behind the bar, scattering its innards. Everyone was very quiet for a moment or two longer. "'Random,' said Trillian, quietly, from up on the stairs. "'Shut up!' shouted Random. "'You abandoned me!' "'Random, it's very important that you listen to me and understand.' 
persisted Trillian quietly. There isn't very much time. We must leave. We must all leave. What are you talking about? We're always leaving. She had both hands on the gun now, and both were shaking. There was no one in particular she was pointing it at. She was just pointing it at the world in general. Listen, said Trillian again. I left you because I went to cover a war on the net for the network. It was extremely dangerous. At least I thought it was going to be. I arrived and the war had suddenly ceased to happen. There was a time anomaly and... Listen, listen, please, listen. A reconnaissance battleship had failed to turn up. The rest of the fleet was scattered in some farcical disarray. It's happening all the time now. I don't care. I don't want to hear about your bloody job, shouted Random. I want a home. I want to fit somewhere. This is not your home, said Trillian, still keeping her voice calm. You don't have one. We none of us have one. Hardly anybody has one any more. The missing ship I was just talking about, the people of that ship don't have a home. They don't know where they're from. They don't even have any memory of who they are or what they are for. They are very lost and very confused and very frightened. They are here in this solar system and they are just about to do something very misguided because they are so lost and so confused. We must leave now. I can't tell you where there is to go to because perhaps there isn't anywhere but here, here is not the place to be. Please, one more time, can we go? Random was wavering in panic and confusion. It's all right, said Arthur gently. If I'm here, we're safe. Don't ask me to explain just now, but I am safe, so you are safe, okay? What are you saying? said Trillian. Let's all just relax, said Arthur. He was feeling very tranquil. His life was charmed and none of this seemed real. Slowly, gradually, Random began to relax and let the gun down inch by inch. Two things happened simultaneously. The door to the men's room at the top of the stairs opened and the man who had accosted Arthur came out, sniffing. Startled at the sudden movement, Random lifted the gun again, just as a man standing behind her made a grab for it. Arthur threw himself forward. There was a deafening explosion. He fell awkwardly as Trillian threw herself down over him. The noise died away. Arthur looked up to see the man at the top of the stairs gazing down at him with a look of utter stupefaction. You!
he said. Then slowly, horribly, he fell apart. Random threw the gun down and fell to her knees, sobbing. I'm sorry, she said. I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. Tricia went to her. Trillian went to her. Arthur sat on the stairs with his head beneath, between his hands and had not the faintest idea what to do. Ford was sitting on the stair beneath him. He picked something up, looked at it with interest, and passed it up to Arthur. "'This mean anything to you?' he said. Arthur took it. It was the book of matches which the dead man had dropped. It had the name of the club on it. It had the name of the proprietor of the club on it. It looked and sounded like this. Stavro Mueller Beta. He stared at it for some time as things slowly began to reassemble themselves in his mind. He wondered what he should do, but he only wondered it idly. Around him, people were beginning to rush and shout a lot, but it was suddenly very clear to him that there was nothing to be done. Not now, not ever. Through the new strangeness of noise and light, he could just make out the shape of Ford Prefect, sitting back, laughing wildly. A tremendous feeling of peace came over him. He knew that, at last, for once and forever, it was now all finally over. In the darkness of the bridge, at the heart of the Vogon ship, Prostetnik Vogon Jelts sat alone. Lights flared briefly across the external vision screens that lined one wall. In the air above him, the discontinuities in the blue and green watery sausage shape resolved themselves. Options collapsed. Possibilities folded into each other, and the whole, at last, resolved itself out of existence. A very deep darkness descended. The Vogon captain sat immersed in it for a few seconds. Light, he said. There was no response. The bird, too, had crumpled out of all possibility. The Vogon turned on the light himself. He picked up the piece of paper again and placed a little tick in the little box.
Well, that was done. His ship slunk off into the inky void. In spite of having taken what he regarded as an extremely positive piece of action, the Grebulon leader ended up having a very bad month after all. It was all pretty much the same as all the previous months, except now there was nothing on the television anymore. He put on a little light music instead. And that is it. The final words of the final book in the five-book trilogy of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, not all fun and games, eh? <laughs> uh, as we, I did read the prologue to this, uh, and as a point was made that uh, Douglas Adams was not afraid of killing his darlings, um, which is exactly what he ends up doing. Wow. There is... A sixth book, as I say. Um, there is the uh, uh, Owen Colfer book. Um, if you lovely people would like for me to read that, please go to the Facebook page uh, and give me a thumbs up. I'll put a, a, um, a post up for that with a poll. Um, if the feeling is not to do that to to sort of leave it where we've got to with the original source material from Douglas Adams I'm, I'm also happy to do that if that's the the kind of consensus um, and then we can start looking for something else to read um, some various suggestions have been made from various quarters some people have asked for uh, us to stay on the um, the angle with Douglas Adams uh, and stick with uh, the Dirk Gently material, which we can certainly look into. Uh, alternatively, um, there is Terry Pratchett. That's also been a very big request. Uh, and if we do go into that, I'll be talking forever because um, due throughout his life, he, he penned about 7,000 books, it seems. Uh, but no, I, I think if we do that, we will go right back to the beginning. Um, I first read Terry Pratchett in the 1980s. I'm that old. Look at the beard for crying out loud. Um, so uh, I started with The Colour of Magic, um, uh, which I believe was the very first book uh, where we meet uh, Two Flower and um, Rincewind or Rincewind, depending on how people want to, to, to pronounce his name. I'll find a way to do what we feel most appropriate with. But yeah, I'll post a poll. Post a poll. It's not easy to say. I'll post a poll. Uh, with some various suggestions but please do feel free to uh, either in these comments or on the page in general just let me know what you feel we should do um, I'll have a look I'll have a read of of the the Owen Colfer stuff I do feel I'm I I understand that there are people that, that, that see that as canon but but I also feel that this is a yeah this is the way Douglas ended it 
uh, in which case sort of doing a, a sixth book that wasn't penned by him but, but by a friend and a colleague and, and is is seen as legitimate <coughs> excuse me by his estate we can we can go for that but let's uh, let's give it some thought um and take it on from there but here we are just over a year on from the very first recording that i did the very first reading um okay we have uh, morgana gray has also uh, has already asked book six please and then pratchett okay that's uh that's uh, that's that's one request so far um other opinions will be gladly taken um but yeah um this has been one hell of a journey um i didn't expect it to become what it's become um we started this as as a thing for friends and family uh, uh just over a year ago um and now looking at it um with the stuff that i put out on the podcast version of this we've got hundreds of thousands of listeners on to this uh all over all over the world which is which is um fantabulous um i am completely touched so let's keep doing this i think it seems to be you're you're very welcome nick thank you for listening i appreciate it nick milburn's just said thank you for doing these readings it's a huge pleasure um uh i'm feeling a bit emotional now we've got to the end of this book um so so yeah um let's uh, i'll look into the owen colfer book and then um and then let's uh let's let's look at doing something um next week but um in the meantime um it this has been bonkers um really great thank you so much all of you for listening in thank you so much all of you for your supports for your very kind messages for those of you that have become patrons thank you so much i really 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 do appreciate that and if you are not a patron and you would like to become so please do feel free to go over to patreon.com forward slash the bearded wit and from five dollars a month uh, support these readings and the others that we've been doing uh, and will do um, i'm still working on material for uh, the rats in the walls which is the gothic horror and um, ghost story podcast that i will be creating um, on a different channel um, so please do feel free to support that as well um and uh, we'll we'll go on from there but um once again everyone um thank you so much for being a part of this journey thank you so much for being a part of the fun um let's take book six shall we yeah we'll do book six we'll start book six next week right i'm done for tonight um, I hope you're having wonderful Easter's. You're all being good to each other. Uh, please continue doing so. And I will see you again soon. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. Take care. Look after yourselves.